Um, if you're at home, we are thrilled that you are with us and hope you have a lovely time with us this morning. So I'm just going to share a few things that are going to go on in the life of the church over the next week or so. Um, so get a notepad, take some notes, kind of get yourself signed up to these things. But firstly, I want to talk about our prayer meeting tomorrow between 7 and 8 o'clock. Um, we've just felt strongly over the last few weeks that, that God wants to move powerfully in the lives of those that are sick. And so tomorrow we are going to focus on people who are struggling with illness or sickness and we're just going to pray for them. So we're devoting the whole of the morning to that. Um, I'm just reading my notes and making sure that is right. That's what we said, wasn't it? Yes. Um, so if you have any kind of condition or sickness or illness or something in your family that you would just really like prayer for, then we'd really encourage you to email, I think, either hello at lifevineyard.church or office at lifevineyard.church. Um, if you email that over to us, we'll try and collate those and make sure we either pray for them in the morning or put them out in our prayer email um, in the week so that you can be prayed for. You know, we really do believe that God heals today, and so we want to commit that morning to praying for those things. Okay, so if you haven't already received them, you will do tomorrow, um, and that is we are sending you some flyers and information around our summer 21. You know, and, and these are those two things that you'll get. One is all about our Sunday mornings, and one is around our social events that we are going to be doing. And um, I just want to flag up two or three things that are coming up quite quickly that we'd really encourage you to get signed up to and to be part of. Um, if you like, our goal for this summer is to give everybody in the church at least one, if not more, opportunities to gather together and to be community. You know, that's what this Summer 21 is all about. It's about gathering us together to be church, to be family, and to hang out and have fun. Um, and so this Friday at Marley Hill, we, from 6 o'clock, we are going to have our first Fire Pit Friday. Um, do you like what we've done, all of the Fs? What, Bambi, what's that called when it's all the same? Alliteration. There you go. I nearly failed my GCSE English. Just scraped through. Um, so anyway, we are going to have a fire pit Friday. It's going to be great fun. We're going to get fire pits all around the grounds of Marley Hill. And we're just going to hang out. I think the weather looks set fair. So I'd really encourage you to get yourself signed up and come along. Um, a lot of our things we're going to try and do outside so that it feels secure and, and comfortable for most people in the church. So we'd love you to sign up to that. On the Saturday, um, the youth are having a little beach trip. Again, end of term is coming. So if you've got kids of youth age, um, just get online, sign up, and they're just going to have some fun. They're just going to hang out at the beach just as a way of celebrating the fact that they've, they've made it through this, what has been a really challenging year for them. So that's on Saturday the 24th from 3 o'clock, and it's going to be at Colour Coats Bay. And then finally, on Sunday... The 25th, which is next Sunday, um, we are going to have a bringing, well, just a, a picnic, basically. We're going to have um, some space we've got outside here. We might break out into the park or the green. We'll see how many people are around. And we're just going to have a slightly prolonged kind of time after the service of hanging out uh, and doing life 
together. So bring your own picnic, bring your own drinks. We'll open the cafe after the service for a short time, and then we're going to just hang out. Um, if you've got kids, then bring some games for them so that they can have a play. Um, and it's just going to be great. So we just want to really encourage you, if you haven't been in person to a service, um, to come along to one of these social events and begin to connect with others physically. Um, we are going to keep them at COVID secure as we can. You know, outside is the best place for us to gather. Um, and so hopefully you will have a wonderful time coming along to those. Brilliant. Okay, that's my notices. I'm afraid you've got more of me now because I am actually speaking. Um, Nicola was going to do this, but she's shot off to help with the, with the party. She always loves a party, so she's going um, to Marley Hill to help out with the party. So I was getting some feedback about my talks, um, and one of the things people were saying was they were having to take motion tablets because I tend to do this when I preach. So I'm going to try something new today. I'm going to sit down and see how that goes. So all the people at home are going, yes, thank you, David. Um, so we'll see, shall we? If the stool collapses, it's because I made it. Um, here we go. Are we ready? Are we sitting comfortably? Um, I shall begin. So my youngest daughter and I love all things Marvel. Hands up if you like Marvel in this room. Uh, probably 50-50. Um, Anyway, um, we love it, and um, one of the things we have, I'm just going to take this off so I don't break it, um, one of my great parenting achievements is that I've actually indoctrinated, I mean um, inspired my um, daughter, youngest daughter, to love Marvel. She loves the villains and the heroes. She's a little bit of an expert, if truth be known. The boys at school are well impressed that she knows more than they do. Um, anyway, on Wednesday, just gone, it was the final episode of the Loki series. Um, anybody watch Loki? All right, just me. And um, anyway, it, it's a great series. It was really good fun. So I won't spoil it just in case you're waiting for it to finish and watching it, binge watching it. But um, the premise behind the series was that there is this kind of evil, powerful villain pulling the strings, trying kind of to take over the world, the universe. And Loki, and female Loki called Sylvie, it is a bit complicated, parallel universes and different timelines and all of this, look to save the day. You know, all the great works of literature, such as Star Wars and um, Star Trek, um, have the baddies. You know, the original Star Wars, oh, that was a joke, by the way, just in case nobody laughed. Um, and just the original Star Wars, you have the evil empire, emperor. And he's pulling the strings. He's looking again to rule the universe. And Luke Skywalker and his band of plucky rebels save the day. You know, why do Sarah and I love the character Loki? Well, he's a, what is known as an anti-hero, for those of you that like comics. Um, he is sometimes the villain. But then things, when things get really bad, like when Thanos turns up, he turns into the hero. You know, he, he can betray people, even his brother. He's lies. He's called the god of mischief. And yet, when it's really, really bad... He's got the capacity for sacrifice and good. And you know, maybe not to that level, I hope not to the level of Loki, but we can all recognize the pull of the world on our lives. 
You know, that, that need for significance, that need for success. You know, we can kind of acknowledge the flesh, you know, our desires, our own kind of selfish desires for success, wealth, and significance. But we can also maybe recognize the devil, this evil power that wants to rule and is the enemy of God and of all things good. Now we live in the middle of a battle between God, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Different pulls on our time, our energy, our resources, different dreams and desires being called out, you know, whispered in our ear. It can be confusing, hard to distinguish from one or the other. The devil is known for his clever lies. The heart is deceitful above all other things we are told. You know, God has kingdom dreams, a plan that he wrote for our lives, a place in his story where we truly discover life in all of its fullness and thrive. The world, the flesh, and the devil are powers that seek to rob us of this destiny and life. They try and tell us a different story. They claim it is a better story, but, there are, but they are all liars wanting to stop us becoming all that God has made us to be. So today we're going to look at this battle raging for our destiny and the abundant life Jesus made available. We're going to call out the powers and influences that stand in opposition and remind ourselves of how we discover and chase after our kingdom dreams that God has set apart for each of us. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to start. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth of scripture. I thank you that all we have to do is read it so we get an understanding. We get to see what's really going on. And Lord, as we look at this challenging topic of spiritual warfare this morning, Lord, I ask that you would give us just a real wisdom to know how to handle this and how to respond to it and a courage and a confidence in just how magnificent you are, Jesus. Amen. In the Lord's Prayer, um, we pray this, Matthew 6, 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So who is this evil one? Well, lot, in lots of places throughout the Bible, we hear the evil one described as Satan or the devil. And Jesus uses these names. In John 8, 44, he says this, you belong to your father, the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus re is rebuking Peter, but recognizes that Satan is at work. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Isaiah 14 speaks of Lucifer. Jesus in John 10.10 10, calls him the thief. He is described as the great deceiver, the destroyer, the tempter, the old serpent, and in Revelation 12, the great dragon. This is what Revelation 12 says. And the great dragon was thrown down. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth 
and his angels were thrown down with him. You know, we see in this chapter that a third of the angels joined with the devil and were also thrown down from heaven to earth. You know, Revelation talks about this great battle between the devil and the archangel Michael and his armies of angels. It is just this kind of crazy picture that we read about in Revelation. The devil, Satan, the evil one, is very real and stands in opposition to God's plans. So what is the devil and the fallen angels, demons, seeking to do now? You know, that is this picture in Revelation. But what about now, today, in our lives, all around us? Well, again, we read this in Revelation 12. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. You know, when you kind of study Revelation 12, the child is Jesus. And we see throughout the Gospels that the devil was doing all he could to destroy Jesus, to stop Jesus. Lost my place. Ah, I see what I'm doing. The devil thought he had won with Jesus' death on the cross. You know, he was like, yes, we've killed Jesus. And then he went, oh, no, actually, that's the mechanism for my defeat. You know, this chapter in Revelation is fascinating. We have the great dragon, which is the devil. We have the child, which is Jesus. And then we have this woman who represents both Israel and the church. And we see that the devil is constantly pursuing God's people. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But we are told that the gates of hell will never prevail over Jesus' church. Michael Green says this, If I take on Jesus as my Lord, I take the devil as my enemy. You know, I would take it a step further and say that whether you know Jesus or not, the devil is at work prowling around, seeking to speak lies into your life, temptations. You know, as followers of Jesus, what Michael Green says is so true. If we follow Jesus, if we stand in opposition to the devil, he will try and stop us, impede us, steal the abundant life Jesus has made available for us. We need to know our enemy. We need to know first and foremost that we have an enemy. C.S. Lewis said this from the Screwtape Letters. There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. That's the devil and his demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors and hail the materialist or the magician with the same delight. No, I love C.S. Lewis. This is so true. You know, too many Christians do not believe or have a deeply inadequate understanding of the devil and the demonic. They do not recognize that they are working in opposition to God's eternal purpose, the church, and your kingdom and their kingdom dreams. You must understand what Jesus, understand from Jesus, from the scriptures as a whole, that the enemy is not this theological construct but actually a real being. And he has an army of demons answering his beck and call, working to stop and destroy the plans of God. 
However, Lewis is also right. We must guard against an unhealthy or fearful view. You know, I remember a conversation I had just before we moved from Nottingham to Newcastle to Plant Life Vineyard. I recognised that Nicola and I had not had a great deal of experience around this sort of area of the demonic and, and especially praying for people who may be struggling with oppression in their lives. And I asked this, found this guy and I said, can you help us kind of get a bit more experience? And he said this, do not go looking for them as you might find them. And I was really perplexed by his answer. And I think what he was trying to say was, don't get this kind of unhealthy interest in them. However, something in his answer revealed to me this underlying fear that we have against the devil and the demonic. You know, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples and he commanded them to do four things. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely have you received, so freely you give. You know, casting out demons, setting people free from the oppression and lies of the devil and the demonic is a normal part of Christian life. You know, over the last few years, I have noticed there has been lots and lots of teaching on praying for healing. Lots and lots. You know, many churches over the last 10, 15, 20 years that maybe never prayed for healing now see it as a normal part of the way they do church. Yet I've heard very little teaching on deliverance, setting the demon oppressed and affected free. But Jesus saw it as normal. He knew what the devil was up to, and so he expected that part of his ministry and the church that was to follow would be casting out demons and destroying the works of the devil. In fact, you know, when you stop and think about it, what it means to extend the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus, is to dismantle and destroy the works of the enemy. Okay, how are we doing? It gets better. I, the devil is defeated. The devil is defeated. We have to remember this. And so we have nothing to fear in Christ. We have been given power and authority because of our identity as sons and daughters of God. We are heirs with Christ and carry his authority. So we have nothing to fear. And it should be a normal part of our story this church's story that every demon we come across is sent packing back to Jesus. There is so much more I, I could and probably need to say around this. However, this morning I want you to take away two things from this first part. The devil is real and the devil is working in opposition to God's purposes on the earth. We need to know our enemy. And secondly, and really importantly, we need to know our God. Now, when we talk about the devil and the demonic, we can have a few responses. We might think, well, that's rubbish. I, it's nonsense. We might think, well, that's a bit heavy, David. You know, I came to church this morning. I wasn't expecting to hear all of this. We might find it a bit creepy or even a bit weird. You know, maybe our framework for the demonic and evil is the way it's portrayed on TV. You know, often the evil kind of is presented as this almost omnipotent power. You know, it's like almost impossible to defeat. However, this is not the case. Yes, the devil is powerful. He is described as the great dragon. 
But Jesus is infinitely more powerful. Infinitely more powerful. There is only one only omnipotent power in the universe. God the Father, the Son who is Jesus and the Holy Spirit is all powerful and has all authority. This is Matthew 28 verse 18. Jesus again speaking. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, we need to note something on this because I think we forget. He doesn't say some authority. He doesn't say most authority. He says all authority. He is all powerful. God has given Jesus his authority is passed that on to the church as we seek to extend his kingdom. You know, over the years, Nicola and I have come across situations where we have had to pray for people who have had demonic influence upon their life. And there's many reasons why that happens. It's another talk or training for another day. However, what I have seen time and time again is that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. End of story. Jesus is all-powerful. He is God. He has all authority, and the devil and the demonic do not. We need to know our God, Jesus. You know, if Jesus turned up on one of these horror films, it would be a really short film. It would just be like, over. He would just say a word, and all evil would flee. That's how powerful Jesus is. In the name of Jesus, evil flees. There's this amazing story in Matthew 5, just to illustrate what I've just been saying. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell at his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? You know, evil recognizes who Jesus is. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of this area. Do you see how powerful Jesus is? Do you see? A large herd of pigs were feeding and the nearby hillside, on the nearby hillside, the demons begged Jesus. They begged him. Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Do you see the authority he has? And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Jesus is the son of the most high God. He has all authority and the devil and the demons shudder. So we need to know our enemy. We, need, we must know Jesus. If you're here, you're watching this talk and you don't know Jesus, you must know Jesus. And I'm going to give you a chance in a, later in the service. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to invite Jesus into your life. But we also need to know ourselves. We need to know ourselves. Who or what are we listening to? Who or what are you listening to? James 4 verse 7 says this, Submit 
yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Paul in Ephesians 2 talks about different influences on our lives. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. Matthew 12, 30 says this. This is from the message. This is war, and there is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are, you're the enemy. If you're not helping, you're making things worse. You know, we have to be careful that we don't make everything a spiritual battle. You know, we can over-spiritualize everything, and we need to be careful of that. But it's important to recognize that there are only two sides in this war that has been raging throughout the ages. Only two kingdoms. God's kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. Two armies. There is no neutral territory. Now, I'm not a great historian, but I was asking around, and um, I believe Switzerland was not involved in either of the world wars. I'm looking to Mike because he's the um, expert on these things. And, um, And so it was like a neutral territory. There is no Switzerland in the battle between God and evil. We either agree with God or we are agreeing with the evil one. And James is so helpful on this. Submit to God and resist the devil. So whether it is agreeing or embracing the values of the world or succumbing to the temptations of the flesh, anything that is not in line with God's values and and his truth is actually born out of the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians 6 says this. Paul talks about the armor of God that allows us to take a stand against the devil's schemes. I would really encourage you to read and just study Ephesians 6. But I want to finish with two things that we need to do to make sure we're on the right line, right side of the battle lines. And the first of that is scripture. You know, there's, again, an amazing story of Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil is kind of trying to tempt Jesus. And Jesus replies with scripture. He silences the lies of the enemy with the truth of scripture. We need to know our Bibles. We need to know it. We need to live it. We need to obey it. You know, in Ephesians 6, the scripture is our offensive weapon. I remember a couple of years after planting Life Vineyard, um, I started to have these feelings of being a bit of an imposter. You know, I had no leadership background. You know, here I was leading this emerging church, and um, I felt a bit of an imposter. And I started to believe lies that I wasn't good enough, that I shouldn't be leading this church. And I went along to one of our national conferences, and I've got two really great friends, and they're both pastors and leaders themselves, and they prayed for me. And um, they prayed and, and prayed against kind of the lies that I'd been believing. And um, they prescribed, and I mean prescribed, scripture. They told me to read Psalm 139, morning, noon, and night, for two weeks. So if you don't know Psalm 139, here's a little snippet. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know this full well. You know, over that period of time, the voice of the enemy that told me I wasn't good enough became silent. 
and the truth that I am a wonderful work of art filled my head and my heart. Scripture is powerful. We need to know it. We need to believe it. We need to live it out if we're going to resist the devil across all aspects of our life. You know, the greatest lie of the enemy that the enemy is peddling is that Scripture is not the Word of God. It doesn't have authority. Some bits are out of date or irrelevant. Or the very worst, it's just another good book among many many good books. It's not. The Bible is truth. It is powerful. It is the word of God for our lives, for the church, and for the world. The moment we step outside of the truth of Scripture, we're stepping into lies and the realm of the devil. Let me say that again. The moment we step outside of the truth of Scripture, we embrace other truths, other things that that the world portrays as truth. It's not even truth, is it? Other lies. Then we're stepping outside of God's kingdom. You know, there is no neutral ground. We are either resisting or embracing the lies and values of the kingdom of darkness. You know, I, I recognize that this is a bit heavy. Um, you know, I nearly didn't write it. I nearly didn't teach it. It's more comfortable sometimes when we don't look at these things. But you know, if we are going to chase after what God has for us, we, have to, we need to understand there is somebody trying to stop us, embracing and engaging with everything God has for us. You know, there's lots of truths in scriptures that, that Christians and non-Christians both believe. You know, we all think that murder is a bad idea. We can all see the devastation that adultery causes to families. But let's come back to this idea of being kingdom dream chasers versus the world and the temptations of the flesh. You know, there is a battle raging over your God-given design and destiny, your God-given dreams. The world tells a different story. It paints different dreams. You know, your selfish ambition and vain conceit is trying to draw you into other things away from God. But behind both is the schemes of the enemy. To resist the devil is to be kingdom dream chasers. It is to say that I'm not listening to these lies, these fears. And fear is one of the greatest weapons the enemy has. You know, the temptation of the devil. You know, I'm, not submi- I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to listen to his dreams for my life. And I'm going to obey his scriptures. We need to know our scriptures. Because the own, only knowing the truth will we see the lies. Let me say that again. Only knowing the truth will we see the lies. We will see when we're not living out the fullness of God's kingdom. You know, and when we recognize these competing dreams, you know, the world, our selfish ambition, vain conceit, you know, the, the enemy versus God's dreams for our lives. You know, we only really see the difference when we know the word of God, when we see the truth of scriptures. So that's the first thing. We need to know our Bibles. The second is we need to be part of a church family. We need to be part of a church family. 
1 Peter 5.8 says this. I'm coming into land, you'll be pleased to hear. Be alert and, sober mi- and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Some, yeah, someone to de- devour. We've all seen those wildlife programs, haven't we, where the lion kind of separates one of those little, poor little things and then just devours it. That's what the devil is trying to do. It's heartbreaking when you see people pulled away from the church and isolated. You know, there are so many reasons to be part of a local expression of Jesus' church. We have looked at many of these over the last few months, and so just go back and have a look at our podcast and have a listen. But often one that's not spoken about as often is how it helps us to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Ephesians 6 says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do you see how being part of a church family is so important in standing firm against the plans, the lies, and the temptations of the devil? You see, the church encourages us to love. It encourages us to love each other and love the world. The church encourages us to good deeds, to do the things that Jesus wants us to do, to be Jesus' hands and feet in this world. The church teaches us truth so we can tell the difference between the ways of Jesus and the ways of the world, the flesh and the devil. And the church prays for us. That's massive. You know, we talk lots of reasons why you should be part of a life group. Maybe turn up on a prayer meeting on, a, on 7 o'clock. Hang out with each other. Pray for each other. Maybe we don't talk enough about how those prayers, like in Ephesians 6, are a defense against the lies that we may start believing. You know, when people take themselves out of community, set them apart from the church family, they are vulnerable to the lies of the enemy because they're not hearing the truth taught regularly. And this is why we should engage with church, either in person or online, every week. You know, almost like that prescribed scripture that I talked about that helped me. You know, being part of a church family, this Sunday rhythm of coming and listening to the scriptures taught is part of what, how we stand firm against temptation and lies. You know, when people take themselves out of church community, they are not encouraged to love and perform good deeds and not encouraged to be like Jesus, to imitate Jesus. When people take themselves out of church community, they step out of the protective prayers of the church family. You know, of course we pray for those that aren't in the church. We do, as many as possible. But there's something different about being surrounded by brothers and sisters who love you and pray for you. It's important. It's powerful. When people take themselves out of church community, they do become vulnerable to lies, deceit, and the schemes of the devil. He really does prowl around. Okay, I really do need to come into land now. If we're going to stand firm against the schemes and temptations of the devil in all its forms... We need to know our scriptures. 
and we need to be in church community. There's many more things I could say, but if we do those two things, it will go a long way. I've said so much, but I want you to take away one point, because this kind of talk can be a little unsettling, but we need to remember one thing, and we're going to worship in a minute. Jesus is king. That's the most important thing. Jesus is king. He is all-powerful. Jesus reigns on high. His name is above all other names. At his name, the devil and demons shudder. Jesus is king. We do need to know our enemy. The devil is real and he opposes Jesus and the church. We need to know ourselves. We are tempted by the world, the flesh and the devil, to chase other things rather than relationship with Jesus and our kingdom dreams. But most importantly, we need to know Jesus. We need to know him as our king, as our Lord, as our Prince of Peace, because his name is above all other names. And when we, are, when we know Jesus, we are heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters of the King. And his authority and his power is with us. Jesus is limitless in his power and authority. Let's pray and let's worship. Ban, do you want to come and join us? Shall we stand, um, if you can? Come, Holy Spirit. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. You may have listened today. It may have brought up all manner of questions. You may even feel a little unsettled by it. You might go, wow, okay, I didn't realize some of that stuff. So let's just rest now in that knowledge that Jesus is king. Let's just stand in his presence. Stand before his throne. Everything has been put under his feet. All authority is his. And so in this moment now, we just speak to any lies that we might have believed. Any lies of the enemy that have told us we're not good enough, that have told us that we were a mistake, that have told us that we will come to nothing, that told us that we actually haven't got a part in God's plan, that, you know, we're, we're somehow this insignificant human. It's trying to trick us and lead us down a path that is not of God's. So in this moment, we're just going to silence those lies. We tell those lies to stop. And the truth is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Nothing you have done is it, God can't forgive. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that is incredible. We just need to know him and we need to embrace his truth. So if you don't know Jesus, I'm just going to quickly pray and then we're going to worship. 
if you don't know Jesus, then I just want to really encourage you to echo this prayer in your heart and invite him in. It might be you don't know Jesus and you know the enemy. You can see his influence on your life and you just go, I don't want that anymore. So let's invite Jesus in and let's command the enemy to go. So echo this prayer in your hearts and your minds and even out loud if you feel comfortable. Father God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that he was born and he lived a perfect life and he died on that cross. But we know that that isn't the end of the story. We know that his death on the cross it, it, and his resurrection, it defeated the enemy. It defeated it. it. He is defeated thanks to Jesus. So Jesus, we invite you into our lives. I invite you into my life. I say, Lord, would you be Lord? Would you be my Prince of Peace? Would you be my Saviour? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you help me to just break off the lies that I've sometimes believed? And I choose now to follow you. For you to be my Lord. I want to chase after your dreams for my lives and not those others speak over me. You are my King of Kings. If you've prayed that prayer, that's the start of your journey with Jesus. We'd love to hear from you. If you prayed it at Marley Hill or here, you know, again, just chat to us. We'd love to journey with you. But now for the remainder of this morning, we are going to praise Jesus. We're going to recognize who he is. And we're going to give him all the glory. Let's worship. Yeah.